This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to Mattalia is Confused. This is Mattalia, aka M Diesel. And just a few things to talk about before I dive into the week's topics. One is uh finally, at long last, the me right now mugs that I've been talking up, that I've been saying are gonna be available, that you guys have been asking for, are finally fucking available for purchase and ownership so get in there mattalia.com slash store and buy your fucking me right now mugs um yeah i'm sipping out of mine fucking listen to this listen to this That is me right now sipping out of my fucking me right now mug. Uh, So get yours. Fucking take a picture of you sipping out of it. Send that picture to me. And I'll do a little dance for you. Um, So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about being fucking fully vaccinated and The other thing I just want to talk about real quick before I get into any of that shit is the reason this episode is a little bit later than I normally... I normally like to do these midweek and then another episode on Sunday for Sunday service, but I got the shot on Tuesday and let me fucking tell you, fucked me up so bad. I had the biggest fucking migraine headache of my life on Wednesday, all day on Wednesday. And then yesterday I felt like I was fucking, I don't even know how to describe it. I didn't, I I didn't feel that bad. I felt way better yesterday, but I was like, because Wednesday was so bad, I was like hung over from the fucked upness on Wednesday. So, I mean, I've heard, I mean, I know people who, who once they got their second shot, um, whether it was the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine, some people were like, I didn't feel much. Some people were like, ah, I was a little cold for a couple hours. And some people get fuckity fucked up, like myself. But guess what? It was worth it because now I don't got to worry about fucking COVID anymore. Or what is it? I guess in, a, in like two weeks, I'm officially fully vaccinated. And it's time to fucking party. It's time to fucking party uh, in two weeks, whenever, uh, I guess two weeks from Tuesday. So, yeah. And really just fucking quite frankly, if I'm going to be quite frank about it, it's just like fucking. 
feel like I do. Who goes out on a Tuesday night and it stumped me? But it's too quiet and the cover band is too loud. Step outside, I'm about to leave when you walk right on by and I just freeze. All the time you try to find someone who's like you. And I'm not the type of likes rushing, but I want to. I don't know you, but it feels like I do. And I was frozen when you walked in my room. Cause every single word makes my stomach turn cold. I don't know you, but it feels like I do. Fucking MDs are fully vaxxed. In two weeks, feeling good, feels like I do, feeling good, fucking vaccinated. Woo! Feels like I do. Uh, that's some M Diesel shit right there for you. Um, yeah, feeling good, feels like I do. Uh, there's a thing now with the vet. I, I I just I don't know when the whole like controversial thing about masks is gonna go away. Why I don't get why it was controversial. It was recommended and then mandated in certain places or at certain times at certain places. But from the jump, it was just so fucking politicized and vitriolic everyone who had an opinion about it was so fucking angry and it was such chaos and it still is even though the cdc came out i don't know a couple weeks ago and said if you're fully vaccinated you don't need to wear masks outside or inside except for like really specific settings and scenarios And now when people, uh, uh, of course, it's always people on the left. People on the left are like, but it's still good to wear masks, whether that be to, as like a symbol of solidarity or as a reminder that the pandemic's not over or just out of actual paranoia, fear that they're still going to get it and still get sick. And then the right likes to come in and be like, I thought you said you'd like to fucking follow the science. You, I thought you said you listened to science. I thought that was your whole thing. Now the science is saying you don't have to wear a mask and you're still fucking doing it. You're a fucking liar. And it's just like, I'll tell you what, the, the second I can stop wearing a mask, I'm going to stop wearing a mask. Whenever I'm fully vaccinated, I'm going to not wear a mask anytime I have the opportunity to not wear a mask. But if I go to a place and that place is like, can you still wear a mask? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a mask on. Or at the very worst, I'm going to say, ah, that makes me not want to go. And I'm not going to bitch and moan and I'm not going to fucking complain and I'm just going to not do the thing. But that won't happen. But let's say that would be the the most uh, angry I would be. Well, that's not the right word. The most put off I could be, I would just say, oh, they need me to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm not going to go. I wouldn't fucking bitch and moan about it. But it still needs to be the thing that the war is fought over. Masks. It's so fucking stupid. 
Also, though, if you're fully vaccinated and outside, and even the CDC is like, you don't need to wear a mask now. Don't wear a mask. I don't understand. If you don't, it, the reason to get vaccinated is to not worry about it anymore. Stop worrying about it. And I've read some stuff where it's like the whole trauma of the last year, people are hesitant to take their masks off because they still feel like they're wrapped up in some traumatic event. And it's like, it's going to take some time before they feel comfortable without masks on in public or whatever. And like, that's fine too. So why is everyone so fucking worked up about it? And then I think, I mean, I think I talked about this a little bit last week, but it's like, you also hear people on the left. I mean, that's the, that's people on the right being annoying about like, I thought you follow the science. But then it's like, people on the left are like, well, how are we supposed to know who's vaccinated or unvaccinated? Because the people who were anti-mask, anti-vax are not going to wear masks and we're not going to know if they're actually not vaccinated. It's like, well, just get vaccinated and don't worry about the, what the fuck another person's doing. We get so wrapped up in what other people are doing. But if you're vaccinated, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. And I get it on like the grander scale it does if people aren't vaccinated and they're still going around without masks on. Yeah, that's fucking annoying. But guess what? There's nothing you can do about that. Here's, a, here's, here's something that I can help you out with if you haven't noticed yet. Shaming people into doing things doesn't work. So just get vaxxed. Don't wear a mask when you don't have to. Or I guess if you still want to, go ahead and wear one. And if you don't want to get vaxxed, fucking you're annoying as hell. But whatever to you too. I got vaxxed. Everyone I care about is getting vaxxed. If someone I really cared about wasn't going to get vaxxed, I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Get vaccinated. If some fucking guy online or Lauren Boebert or whatever is going to shit all over masks in public, it's just like, what am I going to do about it? The more worked up you're willing to even let yourself be about this shit. See, now, like, more than masks or no masks, it's, it's, it's the more worked up you get about it in the first place. That is the bigger problem. But yeah, COVID numbers are going way fucking down. I was looking in California and my state, I can finally have some pride in my state because the vaccination numbers are way high. Vaccine hesitancy is very, very low here. And many, 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 many people, much more percentage-wise than in other states are getting vaxxed here in California. And the number of new cases, first of all, we were doing terribly, like in January. But it's like a thousand new cases a day. It was up so fucking high. I forget exactly what it was in January, but it was like thousands upon thousands upon thousands. So we're doing good. But stop, un, let's undo the politicization of this shit and just recommend everyone get vaxxed. And if people don't want to get vaxxed and still want to not wear a mask and risk their fucking lives, K, they're annoying as fuck. They're making the pandemic last longer. But what are you going to do? You're not going to do anything about it. These people are not going to wear a mask. 
Time to fucking move on and enjoy the world again. With or without these fucking annoying people. And I just thought of this. This is a deviation from the subject, but there's no good segue into this subject. Uh, So I'm just going to have a clunky segue. And then once we're into it, it's fine. We forgot about the clunky segue and then we're just in it. I've seen over the last, I don't know, couple of few years, an increase in advertising, whether that be for men's underwear uh, or, or men's grooming in general. And these ads are increasingly fucking disgusting. Underwear ads are like, they really cup, they really cup your balls perfectly. The perfect ball cupping underwear. And then there'll be like a testimonial from a fucking guy being like, I've never had underwear cup my balls so well. It's so comfortable. All under, all other underwear doesn't cup my balls properly. This underwear is the greatest ball cupping invention ever. And then there'll be like men's grooming, like, like, electric razors that are like this is the best for trimming your ball hair best ball trimming device of all time like fucking you're gross now i'm thinking about you trimming your fucking balls also balls i know that that's like the most colloquial sort of like least unpleasant way of saying that saying testicles or nuts or scrotum, contents of the scrotum. But like now we've run away with it too much where it's like too commonplace and too okay to be like, I shave my balls with this and my balls feel fucking great now. It's like stop advertising like that. It makes me not want to buy your shit. Also, just the phrase men's grooming, I find disgusting. And I wonder why. Oh, wait, no, I don't. It's because now I associate it with some fucking guy. Some like normcore guy talking about how his balls are trimmed perfectly. Men's grooming now is I just associate it with gross ball care advertising. I swear to God, though, I saw I saw uh, some ad. This is what triggered me. I was fucking triggered. It was like the 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 device was called "Smooth My Balls." That's what it's fucking called. Relax. Be more creative. And also, honestly, be fucking classier. If balls is in the name of your product and it's referring to the contents of your of a, of the male scrotum I don't like that. And I I've I've had enough. I've had enough of that. Also I've been shitting on um I shit on Newsweek a lot lately, and I have no plans to stop 
Because now, okay, I've talked shit about Apple, whatever, Apple news. The problem, again, with the algorithm is that it feeds you back shit you click on. And because I click on so much shit that the headline is like, oh, what the fuck? Especially for the podcast. When I click on fucking some shitty Newsweek article about TikTok or what a TikToker is up to, then it's just going to like spit more of those back at me because it thinks I like them. And I feel like I've talked a bunch of times about the worst article. I've, I feel like I've got, got this like ongoing pursuit of like the worst article ever written. And Newsweek has edged into that territory. They probably have several in my top 10. But I believe, I believe I've, I've found the worst article of all time. Now, the new worst article, because I think I said that before. And what a surprise, it's in Newsweek. And what a surprise, it was spit out at me by Apple News. And what a surprise, I fucking clicked on it. So now I'm going to get even more of these. But I do it all for you guys. You know, these are the sacrifices that we make. All right, I'm just going to read the article. I'm going to go as long as I can without getting pissed. Okay, the headline is, Mom accuses neighbor of, quote, force-feeding her son spicy ethnic food. There's an article in Newsweek. And here's the article. Also, here are the tags. They have, like, the tags now above that you can, like, search if you're looking for certain kinds of stories. And those tags are news. No, it's not. Food. I guess that counts. Parenting. I guess that counts. Child abuse. Uh, that's yet to be determined. And then Reddit. Okay. So here's the article. A woman has shared how her neighbor accused her of force-feeding her child ethnic food while babysitting the little boy. Posting to Reddit. So this is an article about fucking about Reddit. So if you really want to know this news, you could have just gone to Reddit. If you care about this kind of shit, you would have found it on Reddit. I don't understand this shit. It's like, it's like reporting about what's happening on fucking TikTok. It's the same shit. Hey, Newsweek, you're not news. Posting to Reddit, the woman explained that she was asked to look after Ben by his single mother that she called Linda for the purpose of anonymity. When the time came for the 17-year-old to arrive, the poster, who goes by the name of the Kawaii Pisces, explained, she dropped off her kid, she gave me his lunch, vegetable sandwich and orange juice, and told me not to give him any candies and that he's allergic to almonds. However, when she began making a lunch for herself of roti and, brin and a type of eggplant curry, Ben wanted to try it too. She revealed, he ended up loving it and ate two rotis. I was happy to see him gulp all that up, but unfortunately, he was full from the rotis, so he barely ate his sandwich. I mean, so boring already. When evening came, the mother returned to collect her child. But she soon... What? This is... This is the worst sentence fucking ever. I can't even read this right. When evening came, the mother returned to collect her child. But she soon returned seeming, quote, pretty mad. That is the worst sentence in any article fucking ever. I'm going to read it again. When evening came, the mother returned to collect her child. But she soon returned seeming, quote, pretty mad. That means nothing. The Reddit post explained, 
She told me that I had no right to force feed her son ethnic food, and God knows what's in it. She said that she was trying to transition her son into the vegan lifestyle, and I just sabotaged it from giving him food she has never even heard of. I mean, she had to make it a little racist too, you know? Both of these moms fucking, I don't like them. And then it goes on. I tried explaining to her that what he ate is completely vegan friendly and is very healthy and needless to say yummy or else Ben wouldn't have eaten it all by himself. But she was in no mood to listen. She was saying something about how my food would have been so spicy that it could cause her son to fall sick. I am worried now. What? She also stated that the mother called her an AH, which on this particular Reddit thread is code for asshole. I think that's not particular to that Reddit thread, actually. And then this is the shit that kills me about. This woman's story has now been liked over 14,000 times since it was posted on May 13th. Many took to the comments section to reassure her that she was not in the wrong. And then it just quotes a bunch of Reddit users. This fucking article is shitty. And those moms fucking suck. Also, why are you making your kid vegan? I don't... I don't know about this shit. That seems like a decision a fucking adult should make about their own diet. But I'm not a fucking parent. I just... What the fuck was the thing I just read? That's not... News. That is not something that can be in the news and everyone should be okay with it. It's a post on fucking Reddit about two moms. Also, just never, ever drop off your kid if your kid can't eat anything besides, like, the veggie sandwich. You can't trust another parent with your kid and its diet if the fucking kid can't eat anything at all unless you say that. My child cannot eat anything that you might give it. You have to say that. At the same time, if you say that, you are a titanic asshole. You are a titanic AH. Anyway, now I'm going to get fucking 80 trillion more Newsweek stories. But yeah, the, 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 the takeaway is Newsweek is the single worst publication in the entire fucking world. I'm going to take a break. It's 30,000 degrees in here. And when I come back, i got some good shit for you. Okay. Don't go anywhere. Matt D'Elia is confused. We'll return right after the break. And I'm back. <clears throat> and I read an article this morning, a former guest of mine uh, named Freddie DeBoer, one of my first guests, is a great writer <clears throat> and now has a substack that you can subscribe to that he's constantly like I can't it actually makes me feel like a fucking loser because he's constantly putting out amazing articles like more than one a week essays I guess you could call them articles um and I just don't know 
some people are so um their minds are so fucking full and the transition from their mind and the the what they're thinking into work that is clear and intelligent and communicative and potent I, i'm in awe of people like this who can just churn shit like that out freddie is one of those people <clears throat> he's had his uh i guess troubles in life you could say but we cover that in his uh the episode with him but he that's far in his rearview mirror now and he's doing great and he's writing up a fucking storm and all of it is incredible the article i read this morning uh just really sort of has been kicking around in my mind all day so i figure i might as well talk about it on the podcast i'm gonna read a little bit of it i don't think i'm gonna read the entire thing um but I want to I want to communicate the idea that he's getting at, and then kind of talk a bit more broadly about it, because it's it's been weighing on my mind all day. The name of the uh, article is, or essay is "Other People's Lives," and the subheader is "In the Absence of Meaning, Other People's Choices Feel Like an Indictment of Our Own." We are living, it seems, in an age of insecurity. The less socially and economically secure among us are insecure in very concrete and troubling ways. Meanwhile, I perceive a deep unhappiness among those who should be the healthiest and happiest people in the world. College-educated, upwardly mobile, healthy Americans aged 21 to 50 who have the social capital to reliably achieve economic security or who have achieved it already. This class of people my class of people are, by almost any metric you can think of, the healthiest, wealthiest, most stable and secure people in the history of the world. They experience enrichment, comfort, and entertainment that would be the envy of every other group of people in any locale at any time in history. I think about this all the time, actually. So it's already getting up my alley. It goes on. No other group has enjoyed the combination of long life, food security, economic opportunity, safety from war, ability to travel, possession of advanced technology, and access to the sheer variety of life they enjoy. My perception is that very many of them are miserable. I'm not Steven Pinker. Just to pause there. Steven Pinker is, he wrote, a, he, he's written a lot of books, Enlightenment Now. He, he writes these books about how it may not seem like it, but right now, always right now, basically, is the best time ever to be alive. And he looks at it statistically, and he looks back at sort of like mortality rate and many, many, many factors. And kind of is basically, his thesis is that it's actually a great time to be alive now. So Freddie's specifically saying, I'm not Stephen Baker. And he goes on, I'm not saying that everything is great and that everybody should be happy all the time. I wrote this, and he links to something after all, and none of the conditions described therein can be altered with money or technological progress. I am not saying that people should buck up and get over it because they're privileged. That would be very hypocritical. I'm not saying that they should look on the bright side, and I'm also not trying to dunk, really. I know that would be the expected move for me, but I'm not saying this with any derision, let alone glee. As much as I may routinely critique this cohort and implicate them in political and social problems, the fact is that this is also my cohort, and that of most of my friends too. 
and it saddens me to think that the most privileged demographic of people, outside of the truly wealthy, seem to be so full of sadness. Of course you would rather be them than to live in poverty and pain, but you'd also like it if the aspirational class position of your society featured a more reliable level of happiness, or at least contentment. I want people to be happy. That many people in this cohort I'm describing are unhappy is the sort of thing that would take a lot of sociological research to really prove, and I'm not in a position to do that. Sounds like a good topic for a book, if one does not already exist. For now, I'm afraid you'll have to take my word for it. I just look around and see so many post-collegiate lives that are successful by any objective terms and enviable in so many ways, and yet the people living them regularly evince profound dissatisfaction. Certainly there is a material dimension to this, and if someone were to say, it's the capitalism, stupid, I would not disagree. Certainly the ever-increasing costs of housing, education, and healthcare doesn't help. Many people I know in my day-to-day -day life feel that they'll never have the resources to own a home or raise children, particularly distressing given that they are affluent by most standards. Yet as much as I'd like to point to purely material explanations, I don't think that's quite right. The world I'm talking about seems to have been overtaken with disturbingly high levels of depression and anxiety. Exhaustion has its own literature. Its members consume an immense amount of products and services related to mental wellness and healthy minds. Therapy, yoga, meditation, explicitly politicized essays on perceiving one's value, apps designed to improve patience and concentration, self-help books, particularly those designed to inspire unnatural levels of personal confidence, and emotional invulnerability, microdoses of psychedelic drugs, and more prescription medications than you can imagine. None of these things are bad, but all of this treatment indicates an awful lot of illness. And indeed, many of the most successful people I know are perpetually stressed, complain of apathy and disillusionment, proclaim their imposter syndrome to everyone they meet, and especially exhibit personal insecurity in just about everything they do and are showing no confidence that they believe that the basic elements of their selves are valid or worthwhile. Personal insecurity, I often feel, is an absolute epidemic. So many people I interact with, online or off, seem damaged by a lack of basic confidence in themselves and their opinions. Like I said, we live in an age of insecurity. Hell, I'll make it official. We live in the age of insecurity. Why? And he goes on to talk about why, and that's where the meat of the uh, piece of writing is. Actually, I'm just going to start. I'm going to read the very next paragraph. Now I'm going to stop reading and start emptying the contents of my own brain about the things Freddie's talking about. So here's the very next part. Here's what I see all around me. An unfortunate social condition that is totally incompatible with pluralistic democracy. The sense that other people living different lives and holding different values inherently amounts to a judgment of our own. I think that in an era where traditional systems of meaning have been disregarded as artifacts of bigotry or at least ironized to the point of meaninglessness, all people feel they have left is their consumer choices. And this is inherently unstable and unfulfilling. You are not the shit you like and you know it but nobody knows how else to express their, their selves without reference to some choice presented to them by the marketplace. So we try to cobble together little effigies of what we imagine a complete person looks like out of whether 
We like Lululemon or Bubble Tea, Dubstep or Schitt's Creek, Wayfarers or The New Yorker. People work bullshit jobs that produce nothing of value, then come home too tired to engage in hobbies or interests that might define them in other ways. They have no church or temple, no Elks Club or Union Lodge, no Grange or Town Square, so they consume. Problem is, other people consume too, and their consumption choices imply that ours might not be the right ones. And it goes on and it continues to be very, very, very fucking smart and insightful and interesting. And this age of insecurity thing is what I sort of am taking away from what he's writing. In the absence of meaning, in the absence of the old traditional ways that we would all find meaning, whether that be, as he points out, church or community or whatever the fuck, uh, we have sort of, without necessarily realizing it, substituted our consumer choices. Substituted that, what used to, in that vacuum, let's say, where meaning used to be, we've put in this sort of, our choices as consumers and given them primacy in our lives and given them sort of license to define us. But this age of insecurity thing, I think, um, and he touches on this, but I think for me, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is, yes, there is this uh, sort of absence of meaning in modern life, and that is just kind of true, um, or at least not, but I think that's misleading because I don't think when you say an absence of meaning, what that might imply to someone is that there is no meaning now. Because we don't believe in God anymore in general, because we don't have communities in the ways that we used to, that means meaning is absent. That's not what I'm saying when I say that. I mean, that those are old things that would fill the vacuum of meaning that we all need in our lives. That's not to say that those are the meaning of life and that they are absent now. That is to say that that's generally how people found meaning in their lives. I mean, even family as one. That's one that's sort of dissolving uh, as time moves on. Uh, that would be one of the things that I think Freddie would say is sort of ironized into meaninglessness. But I think the internet and social media plays a huge, 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 huge factor in this. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. And, and again, it is anecdotal. There's no like actual fucking science to back this up. But I see it. I see it all the time. The mechanism as... Or, or the internet, sorry, the internet as a mechanism of comparison. And nothing makes us more insecure than comparing ourselves to other people. That's why you see these empty sort of uh, memeable things people post on social media a lot. About how our lives have intrinsic value and there's no reason to compare it to other people. The reason those things are so prevalent is because people en masse on social media are fucking endlessly comparing themselves to other people. The things that we're comparing ourselves to, though, are not real. The things that we are comparing ourselves to are our real, full, lived-in, awkward, weird, fucking contradictory lives. We are comparing them to not other people's lives, not other people's messy, contradictory lives, but other people's social medias, Meaning, which is to say we are comparing them, ourselves rather, to what other people are showing us about themselves. 
which is an easy way to find insecurity, <laughs> to arrive at insecurity about ourselves, whether we're doing the right thing. I mean, this is sort of a trickle down of the very fact that we were not built to see everything that's happening in the world at all times. We are not wired to do that. When I say we are not made to do that, I don't mean God made us in a way and the thing that we're doing now is unnatural. There's nothing unnatural about it. We arrived here and that's, in a sense, natural. But we are not, we, we as human beings are evolved. We don't have the practice of this kind of comparison. We don't, we're not built to be able to filter this kind of shit out or at least filter it properly. We go online and we see what's happening all over the fucking world. And that overwhelms us. It makes us anxious. It makes us feel like the world's gone to shit. It makes us feel like we have no connection to the world because we look at a video of someone halfway across the world and we think, we don't relate to that. That's nothing like where I am. And it sort of gives us this sort of low-grade panic that everybody's constantly living with. Anybody who's up to speed with the news and social media and all that shit. But there's also this more sort of personal insecurity and discombobulation that we all have when we look at other people and what they're presenting to us through their own social media. We are not built to see what others are doing 24-7, even if they were showing us the real thing. But they're not. They're showing us a curated version of what they're doing. Now, that being said, the specific demographic that Freddie's talking about are people, let's say, with more time on their hands. And I don't mean, uh, actually, no, that's, that, I mean that quite literally. There's the, the idea being that the more sort of economic uh, safety, safety in your whatever it is, social standing, economic standing, whatever it is, that typically, generally opens up opens us up to have more time on our hands. And this is true historically too. If I was born 200 years ago, unless I was super fucking powerful and super fucking wealthy, I would be run ragged physically with all the things I have to do in my life. But now things are so, well, automated is the wrong word, but to each of us in our lives, most things might as well be automated. Food service. We can just order fucking online. And even if we have to go down the street to, to, to go to the grocery store and make it ourselves, the food is just sitting there ready for you to buy it. You, don't, you certainly don't have to hunt it. You just certainly don't have to make it on your own. You don't have to grow it. These kinds of things in all different places, all different corners of life, frees up time. And at least in theory, the more money you have, the more safety you have, the even more time you have. And this tends to let our minds spin out to places or rather there was, now there is space for free thought. And that was something that wasn't really something. We were too busy making ourselves physically miserable for most of human existence. Now we are making ourselves mentally miserable in place of that phys physical misery. It's a mental misery now. 
unfilled time of mind leads to comparison. And now with social media and being online in general, living online, filling that vacuum, the internet, again, as a mechanism of comparison, that is a bad mix. More free time and a constant 24-7, whenever you want, window into other people's lives, but the curated version, the version of them showing you the sides that they want you to see. So that adds up to a bunch of fucking people already with too much free time of mind. And I don't mean, I know you're all busy. That's not what I mean. But I mean, comparatively speaking, we have a lot of time of mind to think about things, to overthink about things, to think about things that are wrong with us, things that ways we should improve, how we should actually be happier, how we should actually look. Oh, we could look better than this. Why don't we do that more? Oh, fuck. Look at that person. That person looks way better than me. Why can't I be like that? It's a bad fucking mix. And I don't think people think about this enough. We are not used to having so much free time of mind. Mind time. We are certainly not used to seeing every other person under the fucking sun who's also on social media. We're not used to seeing into the lives of all these fucking people. It fucking pings at us. Constantly looking for fucking ways to fill our time. And in filling our time, we're putting things into our minds that make us feel less good about ourselves. Because all we're ever doing really is comparing what other people are doing to what we're doing. And in, well, whereas Freddie would talk about it's the consumer choices that we line up ours versus theirs. We compare and sort of judge others based on their, consu their consumer choices versus ours. I don't think it's as concrete as that. I think it's more amorphous and therefore kind of more deadly. More dangerous, I guess is the right word. And I think this is why we love fucking fail compilation videos or catching people on hot mics saying things they shouldn't say or hearing people stick their foots in their mouth, their feet, their foots, <laughs> their feet in their mouths. So we can be reminded that people actually aren't the kind of perfect that they're constantly telling us that they are. So we can be reminded of the fact that people are fallible just like we know we are ourselves. It sort of breaks down the veneer of perfection, the curation that we see vis-a-vis -vis that mechanism of comparison that is the internet and social media. And I don't think there's like a fix for this because we're just what we are. We're only built the way that we are. I think the... And, and, and we don't have time to sort of like put the pedal to the metal on evolution. We can't catch our brains up to the moment that we're living in. And we need to get used to that in general because we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Shit's just going to go faster technologically. 
while we still have these poor little sad fucking ape brains. So while all that shit is on a fast track, we are still on the evolution slow track. So the only thing we can do in place of just having a better brain, more built for the world we live in, as opposed to fucking hunting and gathering. The only thing we can do is remind ourselves that this is what's happening. You catch yourself feeling like shit, get off of social media. You catch yourself with too much free time of mind, you start thinking about what's wrong with you in comparison to others, or even what's wrong with other people in comparison to you. Pick up a fucking book. Go for a walk. Do something to get your mind out of the same fucking cycle that we constantly find our minds in. And I do say we because I'm susceptible to this as well. Freddie makes it about a certain demographic of people, but I don't know if that's true. I think it's just true of modern people. Certainly modern American people. I can't speak for people around the world. But American life is not what the fuck it was a hundred years ago. Most of us in general have more time, free time in our own minds to think about things. And while that does sound like a good thing, and I think it actually is, it doesn't always bring good things. It's good to fucking remind ourselves that we are just, whether we like it or not, poor little ape minds. We can only do with them what we can do. We are not equipped for this modern world. It's good to remind ourselves of that. It is a mechanism for us to be easier on ourselves. And in this, what Freddie calls the age of insecurity, that is a good thing. Because one thing that insecurity brings is us being shittier to other people and the world at large. And that is something we also don't need. Insecurity breeds antagonism. In Freddie's in Freddy's article, he talks about how it sort of breeds this tribalism. I make these consumer choices. They make those consumer choices. I mean, the easiest one to point out, and he does go on and talk about this, is the mask thing. I wear masks. I'm good. They don't wear masks. They're bad. I don't wear masks. I'm good. They wear masks. They're bad. This is the way that we find meaning in our lives now. But it's that insecurity in the first place that brings us to such petty, weird showdowns, social showdowns that are just unnecessary. Everybody just take a fucking deep breath, say, hey, I'm a stupid, poor, ape-brained human. I am not built for this new world. I am not equipped for this new world. And that is okay. It just is the way it is. But let's all stop every once in a while and remind ourselves that that is the case and that that is not our fault. And to sort of stop the bleeding of that insecurity when we notice it. It's like meditating. Same idea. If you catch it when it's happening, 
you can stay on top of it. If you let it run wild, you turn into a piece of shit who's sniping at people in the comments on a fucking a tweet that means nothing to you. If you never saw it, it would have gone right on by. It's a good thing to be reminding ourselves of. Anyway, buy my fucking mug. Buy my fucking me right now mug that I'm sipping out of right now. Listen to this shit. Listen to this shit. Okay, uh, that concludes our episode for today. Damn, I got mad serious just now. I feel like it's been a minute since I got so serious. But hey, I do it sometimes because sometimes life is fucking serious. And that is a fact. Uh, All right, I'm going to talk to you again on Sunday. I can't wait for that. Talk to you in fucking 48 hours. Um... I'm happy to be vaxxed. I'm happy if you get vaxxed. And then we can all be happy out in the world. And that'll be great. All right, I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Okay.